Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you people, uh, summer's over, summer's over. And I know I'm getting older by this fact that when I was younger, summer back east was always about what beer was big. Like I remember when Corona came to the Philadelphia area, everyone was like, what's a beer with a lime? And, and for years, Coors Light couldn't get across the... Uh, border across the Rocky Mountains and we got Coors Light which is a god awful beer we all went crazy and drank it and there happened like low and brown these different beers beers of the summer but I know I'm getting older because this summer was my summer of grapes and it sounds weird but I, I had I had this love affair with grapes and it was either green red or black I just I just love them and I don't know why I would eat so many I mean Joanne would bring them over when I was watching TV she said you want a snack I go yeah she would bring me like a ton of grapes and I'd be like I'm not going to eat them and I would and what's great in California is they're all seedless like when I grew up a lot of the grapes weren't seedless so you bite into them thinking it was seedless and, and they had those weird little I don't know if they were seeds what they were but you had those weird things and you bite into them and they get stuck in your teeth And uh, but yeah so I'm hoping that because it's warm out it's supposed to be very warm this weekend I hope grapes stay cheap because I won't pay $1.98 above grapes and I saw grapes at the 99 cent store and they look small and crappy so it was the summer of grapes so that makes no sense but uh, my friends are like you're losing it but it's okay anyway we have a great show uh, we have a, a, a very talented director who was a choreographer before and uh, her husband's been on my show and I, and I, just t- I told him it's the fourth husband uh, and wife team. Uh, comedians uh, Brian McKim and Tracy Skeen were on together. And then I had Wendy Liebman and her husband, uh, Jeffrey Sherman, the writer, separately. And I had actors Alex Scooby and his wife, Mo Collins. And this is my fourth. It's Jeanette Godoy. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Thanks good. for having me. Oh, no problem. Glad. It's just so weird because when you think about it, I, and I know you through Facebook. We're friends on Facebook. I've right. never met you. And I know you through, through Jordan. Like I know when you're celebrate your anniversary <laughs> and stuff like that and right. you know and it's just weird it's good to meet you it's very nice to meet you too so so i was i found out you're from riverside originally i grew up in the inland empire that's right i grew up in riverside now is there the good grapes out there good everything out there i had a i had an idyllic childhood in the city of riverside now i know uh were, were your parents involved in the industry because it, it's especially not at all okay because it, it's weird because i know you did choreography and to get into directing but you know there wasn't a lot of female directors, I'm sure, when, when we were younger. And so, it, I mean, it's it's always, I always wonder how people got to that path. Like, your parents weren't involved in entertainment at all? Not at all. No, my father was an urban planner, and my mother was an executive assistant. I'm, I'm the first child born in the U.S. from my father's side of the family. My, fa- my father's from Mexico. Okay. So there was, I, it was not even remotely on my radar, uh, becoming a director. But I was always a dancer. I was always a dancer. I grew up as a dancer, a ballerina. And I always choreographed from a young age, you know, talent shows, drill teams, dance teams, that kind of a thing. But the one thing that my father will say that it was such a natural progression for me to become a director is she always liked to boss everyone around. Okay, well that's so, good. <laughs> I have no, I have no trouble telling people what to do. Now, what, what gravitated you towards dancing? Because you're petite. Well, my, my girlfriend's a petite, and she danced. Uh, she was a ballerina when she was younger, but she could never make point. Is that what it's called? Oh, to get on point. Yeah. Yeah. So she couldn't do that, so she stopped. But uh, what? Um, what made you gravitate towards dancing? I mean, was there anything that you saw something on TV or you just sat and went, I want to do this? You know, I was always I was always a little performer. I was always a dancer. I was always very into music. My parents were quite young when I was born. And uh, so I'd go to these parties. You know, my parents were teenagers when okay. I was born. So I'd go to these parties when they were like, I was four years old and they'd be playing great R&B music, Aretha, Marvin Gaye, you know, Santana. And... Apparently, according to my mother, I would just give little dance tutorials to the whole party. I would just make up my own things. I'd get people dancing. I'd make people clap for me. Well, that's good, though. <laughs> I had no shame. Um, and so I was always I was always a dancer. I mean, I was just born that way. Now, ballerina, that, that, how long were you a ballerina for? So I started ballet when I was around seven or eight years old, and it was... It was very strict environment at Riverside Ballet Theater, and I got amazing training, and it's very disciplined art form as you well know and it sort of set me up for you know the basis of my training for the rest of my life and it wasn't until my older teens that I got into actually training in other forms of dance but I was always sort of a street-ish dancer I wouldn't call myself a hip-hop dancer or anything like that at that point but I always just I always knew the latest dances I watched American Bandstand and Soul Train and I would always try to emulate 
all the dances that they did on television when I was a kid. So it just it just came naturally to me. So it came naturally, and you're dancing, and you're you know dancing through high school, and you're taking the training, and it must be hard if you want to be like if you're more of a street dancer to take the training because it's such a different world. I mean, it's so funny. You see people like in New York City or anywhere who dance on the street and they're just amazing. Right. And it's, them, it's sort of to contain them, it must be hard. I mean, you guys must be a little, and plus you were bossy to start with. Right. Was it hard for you to take direction? Not at all. I mean, I the thing is about ballet is that I fell deeply in love with it. I love classical music. My father was had a very eclectic music taste when I was a kid, which was unusual for a recent immigrant, right? Of course, he loved Mexican mariachi music, and he loved the R&B and the Santana that was happening at that time, but he also loved the Glenn Miller Band, okay. and he also loved classical music, and so he introduced me to a lot of different kinds of music, and I love classical music, and ballet to me is just something that is so amazing and beautiful, and I, I really fell for it I mean I wanted to be a professional ballerina I mean so that was what I wanted to do so what happened was it is it I mean it must be very tough because it doesn't seem like there I mean you don't want to be a professional ballerina in like Iowa you right. know what I mean it's like there's but right. there's probably not a lot of positions I mean it must be harder than getting in the NFL right. because there's like there's what there's New York and there's probably Paris and maybe LA I know, is you know honestly my dream I because my ballet teacher had been a a soloist with the National Ballet of Canada. I come from a very prestigious ballet school, believe it or not, in okay. Riverside. Um, and so I I wanted to do that. But it, it wasn't in the cards for me in that, you know, my parents, my father being an immigrant, wanted me to go to college. That was super important to him. And that concept of becoming a ballerina was just nowhere in his vernacular. It was just not even going to be possible. So I, you know, sort of succumbed to family pressure. And you went to college? And I went to UCLA. And it's funny because while I was at UCLA, I worked part-time at a law firm. And that was sort of my dad's dream for me was that I would become a lawyer. And while I was at this law firm, these poor souls there who were working 60 hours plus a week trying to bill, it was a big corporate law firm, were like, you're a dancer? go be a dancer. Why would you try to do this if you can do that? Like, you got to do, unless you absolutely love the law and you're obsessed with it. It's so funny. I had a guest on who said he was in the army and he's an actor now. And he said when he, after his two years, he saw these guys who were just so miserable, you know, and he's like, I got to have to do it. And it's, that happens a lot. I think that happens to a lot of creative people. Like a lot of comedians were engineers. And it's weird, like some back, especially back years ago, and they left because everyone's like, dude, you know, you, you, just especially for you, it was, a, it was a part-time job. It's not like you were. You, what was your major? I was an English major. Yeah, so it's not like you you were going to be a lawyer, right? So they're probably like, "What the hell?" You know, especially in this town, because it's in this town you can do anything. So they were telling you just to, to to go. Yeah, they were saying follow your passion. I mean, if you really did feel the need to become a lawyer, that you could go back to college at any point in life. I mean, it wouldn't be the easiest thing, but certainly a dance career is short-lived. And you got to do it when you're young. I mean, you have to you have to face the facts of your body and what what it can produce and perform at certain age of your life, right? So I dropped out of UCLA. Now, how did your dad feel about that? My dad didn't speak to me for almost a year. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so that was tough. But I dropped out. I got an agent here in LA. I started going on auditions for dancing for dance jobs. Okay. And, um, you know, I got booked in little, you know, music videos, commercials, TV shows, just the sort of gamut of, you know, commercial dance career. Any big video? I know we'll talk about the one video you recorded, yeah, no, but nothing, any big videos? Nothing as a dancer. Nothing as a dancer. And I wasn't, I didn't feel as fulfilled in the audition process. Okay. Right? I loved being in dance class and I had some amazing dance teachers here in LA. But I didn't feel creative and auditions were brutal. And it, at that time, it was a different kind of vibe that people were looking for in a dancer. Now it's much more sort of multicultural. But at that time, it was sort of more the blonde. It was all that, I mean? heavy metal videos and all that's this cer right, that certain exactly. look. I mean, until J-Lo really came along or some of these MTV. I mean, I'm, I'm a product of MTV. Yeah. MTV never, I mean, maybe you'd see someone of color in a Lionel Richie video, you know, or, or you know. Yeah, you're right. It's like it was all. I mean, if the bars had a video, you might see someone. Right, exactly. But so yes, yeah, that's okay, so true. So you didn't, you didn't really enjoy it. And you so were, I didn't, I didn't, I really, I didn't love the, the audition process. It just wasn't for me. And I was felt like I was sort of more at home as a creator. 
And I just decided early on, you know what, I'm going to try to become a choreographer. I've been making up dance routines my entire life since I was a little kid and in middle school and high school and whatever. I'm just going to go for it. Now, how does one go about that? I mean, I mean, because <laughs> I mean, I know when because thank God for videos, of course, videos, I mean, right. have changed so many careers because back then, unless it's American Bandstand or stuff like that, there was I mean, I'm sure if there's a chore, there's choreography for a ballet and stuff like that. But it, there wasn't probably as many jobs with the, the with videos that must have been especially for someone young who you'd seen the making of videos and you, you really didn't probably really like being in the videos so you saw actually how to sit there you had an angle you were coming in as someone who was younger and fresher and had seen the thing and was tired of the process yeah and and i felt like i was missing a creative component in my life okay right so the actual creation of the dance is what i think i was yearning for so the cool thing at that time, and it obviously happens to this day, is that people would call into my agency and say, hey, we don't have a budget, but we need a choreographer for this project. And so I let my agent know that I wanted to build a choreography reel, which, you know, at that age, I mean, was only 20. Um, not a lot of people were doing. Most people would dance for a long period of time and then become a choreographer. So you know it was sort of a little out of the norm what I was trying to do but my agent really supported me Teresa Taylor she was amazing and she just started kind of hooking me up with these little low budget jobs that didn't have pay but was going to help me build the reel now as a choreographer do you basically invent the dance or do they do they okay so you go in and they say okay let's say okay here's the song like let's say it was David Coverdale, White Law, the one she danced all over the car. Right. They don't know what they're doing. The, the, right. the director goes, here's where we're going, here's the dance scene, then they bring you in. So it's all you. That's so right. you sit there and you go, you, which must be pretty pressure because one, if you screw up, the director screws up. I mean, because if it's, you know, if it scenes out. So how would you come up with the, how would you come up with these dance ideas? Did you sit there and take you from know, your past? Or? It was just all about the music. It's all about the song. It's all about what the song and the concept required, you know? So, so there would be dancers in a lot of them. And other times it'd be, can you come in and help this model, this supermodel, look like she has any rhythm while she's sexily dancing next to the artist, you know, that kind of a thing. And so it would be, how do I direct this woman? How do I, you know, get her to be comfortable in her own skin, to look like she's on the beat, to, you know, to give her sexy dance moves? Or if, or it was about, you know, this is a lyrical song, this is a slow song, so I'd do some balletic moves. I mean, it just really, the music, ser- you know, was the, served everything. So you actually, you, not only you taught him to dance you taught you came up with the dance but you coached them too oh yeah absolutely so okay so so you're doing these small videos and you know because you're working for free sometimes that's fine I always think you know especially if you're younger I mean comics do it all the time people you know and if you're new you're not going to get a big job that's right And but you're getting this exposure and you're probably getting pretty good and you're getting a good reputation I'm sure so when does your first video the good paying video I mean I know was it was it the babies got back was that your it, first one it was baby got back I it, mean I had done a, f- a few and I'd done some commercials that I'd choreographed and you know back then industrials like live shows and a few things like that but someone I had done a low budge video for right I probably didn't even get paid for was a, a producer named Alex Bramowitz who hired me to do the Frankie Knuckles music video the whistle song okay so I did that, and I really liked him. He liked me, and I've always been a smart, you know, person on set. I get it. I just got you get the vibe, you get where you are in the hierarchy, and I never had a problem, as I said, speaking up and saying no, it should be this or it should be that. So he he called me and said, "Hey, I've got this video. This director who's done some good work, Adam Bernstein, who's now a big television director." And um, why don't you come in and, and listen to this song and let's have a meeting about it. So that was Baby Got Back. It's so funny because I remember when that video came out. We we're like, what? Because it was the big asses <laughs> and stuff like that. So, and I guess as, as Jordan told me too, I guess you invented twerking. Well, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like that's that was the that was the move back then. I mean, I wouldn't say I invented twerking, but you had to sort of do what was appropriate to the song, right? And. Again, the director gives you the parameters of what he wants. It's like those girls were dancing on a tiny little platform. It's not like they could do all this crazy hip hop tricks, etc. Plus, they were in four-inch, you know, stilettos. So you you kind of have to work within the parameters. And obviously, the the song 
is funny. Right. Oh, yeah. I it's, mean, it's, it's, so it's you just... you have to sort of go with that. But um, it was a great experience. One of the funniest things was was meeting Sir Mix a Lot. So the day that we were going to shoot, or the day we were going to rehearse on the set, I I wear contact lenses, but one of them tore. And it was that was back in the day when they just weren't readily available every right. time you walked into your optometrist. So I walk on set and I'm wearing, you know, my little nerdy glasses before nerdy glasses were hip. And I meet Sir Mix-a-Lot and he comes with his whole crew and they're all big dudes. Isn't that funny? It's like every, they every rapper up, has a crew. Yeah, that's right. Um, they come up and, and they, inter- you know, the director introduces me. This is your choreographer. And, you know, they're sort of looking at me like... You know, I'm not that dark skinned, and so I'm like white girl with little nerdy glasses, <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, they they reserved judgment, right? They were going to wait and see what I came up with, but you know, I had great, amazing dancers in that video who were fun and like all in. And afterwards, uh, Sir Mix a Lot was like, "You got moves like Paula Abdul." You know, he was he was great and super. I became really friendly with him. Like, I would go with him to the record company, and we we actually it was a great experience. That video, I have to say though, that showing that to my father, it's like, hey, wait, you're, you're not going to be a lawyer. But was did he like it or was was he... a little tricky? Was a, it was like, Mija, all those years of ballerina training. You know, and this is what this is what you're coming up with, and I'm like, Dad, this is what I had to do. <laughs> right, that's funny. I can imagine, yes, because your parents are probably, especially, they want you to be a lawyer, and he didn't talk to you. He's probably like, I talked to you, and now you give me this. <laughs> so, so you do you choreograph that now? Do you stay in choreography? Yeah, I stayed in choreography for quite a long time. Now, did you do some other videos or, or commercials? Yeah, or what did, I did you do? Yeah, I did a bunch of commercials, and I. Uh, the great thing was sort of like it was a bit of the explosion of the Latin market at that point. And so I got a lot of, uh, I worked a lot in the Latin market. I went to Spain. I went to Chile. I went to Puerto Rico. You know, I did a bunch of Latin TV shows. And it really was an absolute blast. I was traveling the world. I was dancing. I was visiting amazing places, you know, hanging out with cool people. And especially culturally, like for me, that was really fantastic well what would you do when you were on set i mean because i mean i was in this video a while ago and i was played a creepy old guy and i danced <laughs> it's so funny the video came out and they scrapped everything which is funny like the whole thing and they didn't have a choreographer they just told people to dance it was for calvin harris blame it's oh just, yeah they, you know, they just said dance you know everyone just dance and uh but what would you so you, i mean was your day a long day when you're a choreographer or did you it, get to ex- enjoy the sights when you would travel Oh, yeah. No, I got, I mean, yeah, you would have your long shoot days. Sometimes we'd be doing TV shows or I would be choreographing a concert tour. So we'd be in rehearsal every day for three weeks or a month or a festival in Chile, you know. Yes, I I definitely got to enjoy the sights of everywhere I went. I mean, dancers are fun, party people. We like to go out. We like to go to the clubs and dance and go see stuff. Like, it's just really a great group of people to be traveling with. So you're doing that for a while, and then I, I read somewhere you became a stylist after that? That's right, yeah. So so what made you leave choreography? Were you just tired of it, or was it as you get older, they want younger kids? Or I mean, I would think they would want people who are more, more experienced. Yeah, than... you know, it just it sort of just transitioned that way. It was that a lot of people, producers would ask me if we were on a job, you know, well, what should the dancers wear? Because if they're dancing, like what, and dancers are like gypsies. We travel with a bag, and we've got costumes that we'll just pull out here and there. So I would often help out with the dancers' costumes on a project. And then I had a producer then call me and go, hey, you know, we don't have dancers on this job, but you were so great with the costumes on that job, would you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, why not? I mean, I just, for me, just doing anything creative is fun. And that was sort of going into a new realm. And then a friend of mine was a costume designer and she was like, oh, you're doing some costumes now? Why don't you come and help me out on some jobs? So I did, and I sort of started learning that whole process. And um, the thing about choreography was that I was traveling really, really extensively, and I was starting to get a little bit burned out on all the travel. Like, it was fun, and it was amazing, but I would go, you know, I would come home from Spain and then get on a plane and then go to Chile and then come, you know, it was just, I really just started getting fatigued by so much travel. So I started doing more costumes, and that took on a life of its own as well. And I really learned a lot about that whole process and that whole aspect of filmmaking and how much it can inform a character and a mood and that kind of a thing. And that was really fun for me. Now, when, you, when you're a costume designer, I know because my, my brother uh, went to school at FIT with the woman who was the, was the design, the costume designer, whatever thing for uh, The Sopranos. Oh, wow. And 
but so you, you know actually you don't you see something and you you put that you say they should wear you don't actually come up and you don't have someone make costumes oh, do yeah, you oh yeah 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 you make costumes a lot right probably for dancing too probably it's a lot of things oh because I always thought like it was people just see what they're going to wear like I mean like let's say it's the you know Boardwalk Empire you need that certain age that group so you sit there sure. and go okay go get me that but people actually so you get people to make oh them yeah and- no they build costumes all the time all the time especially for you know obviously boardwalk empire yeah they're pulling tons of rented vintage costumes but for the main people they're probably having all of those pieces built but you didn't make you didn't make them though but you, you, i wasn't you came physically up with the idea. sewing yeah, okay. the stuff but yeah i would come up with the design and um you know i really learned a lot from the costume designers that i worked with Again, like I'm saying, an added layer of the creative process, which was really interesting to me. And how I met Jordan was as a stylist. I started, uh, it's actually a funny story. A friend of mine who was producing for him for the first time said, you know, can you come on and help us with this job that, you know, this new director, Jordan Brady, I'm working with. He's a really nice guy. And it's, of course, it's a low budget job, but he's the kind of guy that pays back favors. There's not a lot of time. It's a sexy woman in a bar. And so I get on the phone with Jordan and he's like, you know, the woman has to wear, we have to see that she has great legs and a great ass. So micro mini, she has to have a micro mini. And I go, okay, well, sometimes a micro mini doesn't always, you know, translate. It doesn't really show the curvature of a fine, you know, behind. No, no, no. I want micro mini. That's all I want. I want a micro, don't show up with anything but a micro mini. Okay. So then I think, what a jerk. so then I'm like, okay, this guy doesn't get it. So I show up at the fitting with a rack full of micro minis and the, the actress comes in, she puts the micro mini on, everyone's standing there looking at the micro mini and they're realizing, yeah, that's, that's, it's not really as sexy as we thought it was going to be because the woman has to bend over a pool table. Right? Okay. So my friend, the producer, comes up to me. He's like, Jeanette, don't you have anything else? Don't you have anything else to put on her? Because I go, the director told me only micro minis. And so my producer friend says, well, I mean, you're about the same size she is. Can she at least put on your jeans? The jeans I was wearing at that moment. (laughs) So I go, okay, Richard, only for you would I do this. So I go in the bathroom. I change into the micro mini which he hated which by the way i haven't worn since i was like 15 (laughs) years old right and i give the girl my jeans and i have to walk back out with the director the producer the clients etc me myself personally wearing a micro mini i mean that's just not professional right so i was fuming about that but of course they loved it she ended up wearing my own personal jeans in the commercial and I said to Jordan, I was like, so in the future, if we work together, you'll probably want to listen to me a little more. That's funny. <laughs> and now we're married. I know. That's hysterical. So you're doing this, the costume design. And now it seems like, you know, through the choreography and the costume design, you're really getting a grasp of what the set is and, you know, how to direct because you got some choreography. So when, when do you make that leap to directing? And was it scary? Because it's like you're sitting there and you're the stylist. So were you tired of being a stylist or did you say, I want to move on? Or did you get an offer to direct something? Or how did you transition? You know, I always, in my choreography days, I had, you know, fantasized about directing. I mean, I thought I would, I really thought I would direct music videos because I, I love music and of course I love dance and whatever. But even it didn't have to be a dance video. I just wanted to work in music. But, you know, I took my little path and went into the styling and the costumes. And um, it was a lot of the directors that I worked with, Jordan being one of the biggest proponents, but some of the other directors as well. Because I was so into the process and really into learning, I would be maybe a little more opinionated than most (laughs) costume designers would be with their directors. And just, you know, like, shouldn't she be in this kind of a house or... Shouldn't you shoot it this way? I mean, you know, and and I was fortunate that Jordan and other directors really were collaborative and cared about teaching me. And many of them said, you know, you really should you really should be doing this. Like you you seem to really get it. So about four years ago, uh, Jordan reached out to uh, some friends of his at an ad agency and said, looking for an old script that you guys might have. Jeanette's interested in directing and she wants to shoot something so if you guys have like a what they call like a dead script right you know does anyone have anything and they responded right away these were people that I had also worked with as a stylist and um, they they brought they sent a script and it was something that had been 
you know, a possibility for them, but didn't quite make it. So it was basically for this was going to be your spec script. This was going to be my spec okay. script. So I took the idea, which was at that point fairly broadly comedic, and I wanted to make it a little more poignant because I wasn't going to be, you know, a comedy director. Um, and I sort of rewrote it and I shot it with favors and you know I spent my own money obviously but all my friends and crew members that I'd worked with all these years did me a solid and came and worked on it for free and that spot which is for Bridgestone Tires um, ended up going to Cannes. Yeah he had said that so that was your so how okay so you shoot this commercial on spec basically right. and because you, you, you want to get into the business so you're doing right. it as build calling, my reel again yeah, there calling, I am back again building you're not my reel. Getting paid, you're not calling favors so what it just as fascinates me is the process of you shooting a spec commercial and ending up in con my girlfriend always corrects me it's con right i go can and she always goes and i go shut up you you you, you, don't, you know nothing about the business but so i mean so it, it aired then i guess or what what happened so it's How did, air on, okay it, it's a spec commercial a spec commercial and um you know you submit it to like i submitted it to shoot magazine actually they were the first ones to sort of pick up on it now why would you why do why do you do that to shoot magazine to see if you, you can get work from them or i don't know the process not to shoot, see if you can get work from them but just to have your work recognized because at that point i was an unsigned director with one commercial on my reel shoot magazine loved it and they put it in a category called best work you may never see and it ended up doing so well sort of at the end of the year they chose it like in their top five of best work you may never see for the entire year and this includes work that's actually legitimate real work that big directors are doing but maybe just isn't getting you know huge play on television and uh they were very you know supportive of me and i guess my background was interesting to them as well and then you know so you sort of submit it around the world and for can you know it's the biggest advertising festival in the world is at can and um i submitted it for a young director award possibility and i got chosen and i didn't realize what a big deal it was because i'm not that wasn't that familiar with the whole process and i happened to be at a cocktail party with a, a commercial rep was there. These are the people like agents that kind of help directors get work. And and Jordan said, you know, Jeanette got a spot at Cannes. And the guy was like, oh my God, are you going? Are you going? And I go, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't, don't they have to pick tons of people from around the world? And he goes, Jeanette, they pick like four people from around the world in each category. You have to go. So that was pretty exciting. What was that like? I mean, because you think about wild. it. Well, it's funny. It's probably, it probably as you said, you're like, eh. And that's what's so funny. I love when that stuff happens because you see so many like, and you know how there's so many idiots out here who are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in Canada. You know, or just like <laughs> they, they'll do like a two-minute thing. Oh, yeah, this is going to be, you know. And it, it happens in every comedy and acting like, oh, I just booked a web series. I'm going to win an Oscar. And they get so... Like oh yeah yeah and it's they build this thing up and but you were like eh about Cam but that must have been amazing because I mean I think you weren't I mean if it was probably if it was like oh hey you're gonna go choreograph some huge ballet you'd be like oh my god oh my right. god but because because yeah, it was your first thing you you probably look over as you said you did so many reels for free you're probably thinking yeah it's kind of, so you went I went so what I was went that by like. Myself. Um, it was wild it was a blast I met so b- by that point. After all this publicity with my spot, I got signed to a production company, which is highly unusual with one spot, right? But um, I went to Cannes and I got to actually meet the reps for my company because all the reps go from around the world, all huge advertising agency people go, big creative directors. And it is literally just a complete party from start to finish. I mean, people are wrapping it up at five, six o'clock in the morning every day. (laughs) And the amount of rosé that's being drunk is amazing. But I met a ton of people. And so that that was great. It was really good. And I think it was helpful to have face to face with people. Um, You know, it's a it's a process. and, And so just because I got a spot in Cannes didn't mean I came home and my career blew out, you know, into the because at that point I still only had one spot. I have a question for you. You had said you met the people, you got signed with the production company. Mm-hmm. So is that is that how it works? Production right. companies go out and sign. It's not like I'm with an agent. So if they send me out for an audition, I go out for you for a director or a commercial director. That's what you want to do. You want to get with the production companies, and then you know. 
it's probably you and a few other directors. Correct. And so if there's a project that fits you, you don't have to audition. They have it in-house for you. So that's a lot of commercial directors do that? Right. So most commercial directors sign with production companies, and they're essentially your agents. And that's right. They're trying to find projects for you, and they have their reps around the country, you know, Midwest, East Coast, West Coast reps that are trying to fit you in with the perfect project at the perfect moment, with the perfect budget, et cetera. And it's a tough game. I mean, it's as tough as any other freelance I've, I've heard I've heard career. commercial directing is very hard to break into. Really, really hard. And really it's tough. Like, I had a guest on who said, you know, he did a KFC commercial and David O. Russell was directing it. Right. Like, he, yeah, that's an Oscar winner. It's like, <laughs> know. you know, someone with one reel going against an Oscar. I mean, and it's so funny. He'd make so, like, those not like quirky-ish type movies and sit there and go, wait, he's directing KFC. Isn't it wild? And it just it blew my mind when Jamie said this. Jamie Keller was in two of his commercials and I was like, what? He goes, yeah. And it's just so, so you're back here, you have one reel, but you have the con... The, the, that pull right. down and so you that gave with me a lot of credibility I mean you know I'll just say the spot that I did was good I mean and I knew it had to be really good that's the thing I, Steve I didn't want to just come out with like a little oh let me shoot a spec spot with two people sitting in one little room um because it wasn't going to be big enough for me at the point I was at in my career I needed to come out with a huge statement because it's just too hard to break in otherwise so this commercial is vast a little boy grows up over the span of the commercial. So that's multiple actors, multiple locations. I mean, I went, you know, I went big time. I want to get back to your commercial stuff, but I yeah. want to throw a lug nut in here right now because yeah. I want to talk about the movie that you're promoting That's and it's October is uh, National Down Syndrome Awareness Month. Correct. And uh, I've noticed, I have some friends on Facebook I went to college with, a lot of people, because a lot of people from my, I'm 50, a lot of people I went to college and high school with have not a lot, but it's a lot of autism and not Down syndrome because mm-hmm. a lot of them kids had them older, and mm-hmm. it's just and it's different now. And uh, so, first, I want to find out. We'll go, we're going to go back to your commercials. I want to hear some of the stuff you directed. But uh, how did you get into documentaries, and and how did you end up? I, I can see your angle for the ballerinas because you are a dancer, right? But after doing commercials, and did you sit there and what made you get? What made you get into this project? What made you decide? Because Jordan had said he did Cooper Talk Live with me. How he goes, I just make comedy documentaries. He goes, you know, my wife makes real documentaries. So how did you end up parlaying from the commercials and just starting to do documentaries? You know, I just, um, first of all, I've always been a huge fan of documentaries. I've watched them as much as possible forever. I'm a big reader. I just, I always want information. I'm that kind of a person. So I'm fascinated with documentaries. And... I didn't really set out to make it so much as that I was just compelled to do it. I I happened to be at a ballet recital that one of my daughters was performing in, and before the show started... Wait, wait, tell everyone what your documentary's called and what it's about. Oh, sorry, yeah, my documentary documentary is called Free to Be Me, Um, and it's about this group of dancers, all of whom have Down syndrome. So I'm at this recital, and before the recital starts, a woman comes out and says... Hey, before we start, you know, we've been so graciously allowed to participate in this recital. These are our dancers. They have Down syndrome. Please, you know, give them an audience. This is their one of their first few times to perform. The curtain opens as these beautiful girls dressed in angel costumes. And I just was mesmerized by them. I mean, by the end of their performance, I was just sobbing. And I could feel the palpable joy that was emanating from each and every one of them that they had this opportunity to dance in front of people to express themselves and to have the audience appreciate what they were doing i mean it was it was really i looked over at my husband at jordan and i said i have to do something with them and i didn't know what that was going to be necessarily Um, But I was just so compelled. And so I searched out the director of the program. And I said, you know, can we meet up? I don't know what I want to do, but I want to meet you. And I didn't know at that point, you know, would I make a little video of them? Would I, what would I do? And I said, you know, I I think I want to shoot your story. And would your parents and your your dancers allow me in to shoot your story? Now, as a director, uh, did she have children with Down syndrome? No. So that's amazing because just the the patience. Because, you know, you sit there and and you... You see a kid with Down syndrome out when you're, sh- you know, shopping or whatever. And I always sit there and go, God, you know, that, that's such a good parent because they have such patience. And now you know what I mean? Do you? No, so you. I have no experience with okay. nobody in my family has, you know, anybody with disabilities. So I, it was 
totally. It was just a know. labor of love when you saw it. It really touched your heart, yeah, which I think right. it would touch anybody's heart. It's yeah. like when you see the Special Olympics, you know, I mean, when the down, keep it down syndrome wins, it's amazing. I mean, I have friends who was in, his wife was in the Special Olympics because she has no legs, uh-huh. but then she has the fake legs and she was in, she set the U.S. record for the 100 yard dash. And wow. that, that blows me away. But that's, you know, when you talk to her, she's, all there it's in the, but for this i mean just and the the co- the director must have had just as must have the most patience ever well that's that was one of the things as well that was important for me to tell was that this woman Colleen Perry who started the program i mean her you know her light bulb moment in terms of deciding to do that was even far more profound than mine to make the movie. I mean, she read an article about kids with Down syndrome that were in an adaptive dance program in Boston. And she had grown up as a ballerina. And she just said, at that moment, a chill went up up and down my spine. And I thought to myself, Colleen, this is what you have to do with your life. And so she did. She just, out of nothing, out of nowhere, just started this dance program for children and young adults with Down syndrome. And she's an, an amazing person. And I just, that was one of the things I wanted to do with my film was to honor her and what she's brought to these people's lives. Now, so you see them and you, you want to do something. So you contact her. And I would think anything, and it's if, if someone contacted me and if I did a program like that, you would think, I think it's saying maybe it's just a skeptic in me. Either they're doing it for something nice or it's going to be something exploitive. I, that's just me. I mean, did you have to deal with any of that? You know, I guess what I had to say was, first of all, I showed Colleen my commercial work, which is very storytelling and sort of poignant, if you see it. It's, you know, it's it's got emotion. It's got heart to it. Most of my work does. And so that was one thing I wanted her to know was, this is the kind of work I do. Um and then I had to I had to speak to the parents and just right. say, look, I just want to celebrate this amazing program and I want to celebrate your kids. I don't know what the story is yet, you know, because we're just getting into it. But while remaining, you know, sort of objective back here as a filmmaker, just know that I, I am going to be incredibly conscientious about how I portray your children because I'm a mother, I'm a human being, and I, I want to show the joy of this program and how beneficial and amazing it is. Now, did you get any static from any of the parents? I mean, how big was the troop? How many, how many uh, there kids? There were 18 it? kids okay. in my film, okay. so in that dance troupe at, the, at that time. Um, you know what, I didn't. I was welcomed with open arms by the parents. Um, I became very, it's not very hard not to become attached to everyone when you're, you know, I shot them, I shot their whole, 2013 season. So you would go from, did you ever shoot them at their house? I did. Okay, I so. shot some of them at their house and interviews outside of the dance studio. But, you know, I was there every weekend and filming all the classes and, you know, the dancers are just, they're wonderful, sweet people and they're lovable and they're very affectionate. And so sometimes I, you know, I would have my cinematographer with me as she was able, as she was available to come and shoot. But other times she wasn't available. So I would have to shoot it myself. And I literally would be with a camera and then I have like a little person wrapped around my waist as I'm trying to walk around the room and shoot because they're just, you know, they, they just really welcomed me and really allowed me in to their world. Well, I think it was probably also for them, it was... Um it was great attention for them because, sure. you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, kids are still mean, you know, I mean, I was born legally blind in one eye and I used to have kids pick on me, you know, it's two guys and I've gotten even with them, but, <laughs> but I mean, but like, you know, but kids are mean. So they, they probably, you know, now what's good is because of the anti-bullying, so many kids, you see the stories of, you know, the football player who sticks up for the kid or, you know, the ball boy who always wore, I saw a story where the, the ball boy always wore a suit and he's were giving them a hard time. So all the football players came and wore a suit in support of them. So they must have really just loved the attention you gave them and just the interview because it was something that, you know, they're, they're used to having to talk with their parents. But right. for you, you're actually, you're talking about their ball, their ballet, but you're probably really just, you were probably just touching them really inside each one of them. You know, I, I, I'll tell you that most of the kids, not all of them, but a majority of them aren't the most verbal. So... My interviews mainly are with the parents and the the family members because a lot of them can articulate through an interview well enough. A couple of them, you know, are amazing. Um, So it was mostly about 
you know, shooting them. They loved to be on camera, which was great for me. But, you know, I also tried to be a fly on the wall. Like, I really needed to be sort of, what I didn't want to do was distract them from what they were there for, which was to learn ballet, to learn, you know, this beautiful art form, but the discipline of it as well, and to work together as a team, and to learn choreography. That was what was their program, and I didn't want to you know, interfere with that because I wanted them to get everything out of it that they needed to and wanted to. So, um, but it, it was it was a life changing experience for me. I could imagine. So you shot the family and the the, the practice. Now was it? Now when did you get? I mean, I'm sure the culmination was a, an event. But when in this you're. When did you find the story? Because you said in the beginning you just wanted to get the footage. And I think anything with documentaries, if you have a lot of fold, you can weave a story. And plus right. you said your background, your commercials had a story. Right. So at what point, and first of all, we'll get to the culmination. I can't even say it. Cum, what is it? What's the word? Culmination. Culmination. <laughs> uh, so at what point did you sit there and go, okay, here's my story? I mean, did it, did it hit you in the face just like, oh my God, this is what I'm going to do? You know... I guess I realized, I realized from the beginning that they were working toward a recital, okay, so the culmination. And Colleen Perry, the director, had decided to do something much grander than she'd ever done before with them. They were going to do like a, a pop routine to Thriller, and they were going to have really elaborate costumes and hair and makeup. And so that in and of itself was, I knew the base of the story, and to be honest with you, Inherently, the fact that they all had a disability was sort of not the antagonist of the story, but it was the built-in problem. Right. Right. And so I didn't feel I like I needed some conflict or something horrible to have. You know, I didn't I never felt that way because I I just felt like, well, okay, naturally they're already majorly challenged. Now, how old are they? They, so she has a program that starts from three years old and they have a dancers that go up to twenty nine. But yours is but my so I filmed all those kids okay. from three to twenty nine. God, what a, that mom, that woman's amazing. Her she's pay, incredible. I mean, just, from I mean, three to twenty nine. I mean, just dealing with three year old kids. I mean, I don't have kids, and you know, I was used to watching when I was married. I watched my niece who was two, and I'd be going up the wall. But to deal with all these kids who also have a disability, right? I mean, that's just amazing. No, it, she's she's wonderful, and of course, all all credit to the parents. Right. All credit to the parents who realize the importance of bringing their children to a program like this. And many of them don't even live in the L.A. area. Many of them live way outside. It, there was a, a family with a three-year-old from Riverside, and they would drive her down every week so that she could have this experience because they wanted to help her get everything out of life that she could get. Now, when you filmed the finale, yeah, the culmination, I got it right, it's the big, and they have the thriller stuff. Are you nervous a little bit? Because oh, if, if you don't nail it, it's like, wait a second. I mean, not that you don't know, but you you have to, I mean, this is the ending and you want to make them look good. And I'm sure, I think it, it's, it, you, of course, you always want your work to be good. Right. But, I, but I always think when people make a documentary or, or and it's about someone, you really want to make it good just because you don't want to look. You don't want to make them look like a fool. Sure. You can look like a fool, but you don't want them. So were you nervous because it's this big production and you got to be like, well, I got to get this right. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I, I brought on three additional camera people, okay. right? I just knew. I brought, you know, one of my best friends, Judd Minter, is a celebrity hair and makeup artist. I asked him if he would, not for me, not for the movie, but for the program, would he help out the program? And he corralled all these big time hair and makeup people to come and work with the kids and do their hair and makeup. I mean, it was it was such a big deal. And on the day that they were going to do the recital, that shoot that crazy person in Santa Monica who ran down the street shooting people happened and they closed off. Santa Monica High School where the program was going to be. And so we were all just going, oh my gosh. I mean, not just for me in the movie, but for, for the, the dancers who yeah. been practicing and whatever. So then they moved it to the next day. It all worked out fine. I was nervous, really not for the film, to be honest with you. I wasn't nervous for the film at all. I was ner I wanted the dancers to do well. I wanted them to be happy and feel good on stage. Like One of the, one of the parents said to me, you know, we're just like any other parent. We're nervous. We want to make sure they do the steps. We want we're proud. We you know, it's it's such a big moment and and being a parent myself, like I I could totally relate to that. And it was it was a beautiful thing. I mean, when they performed at the end, the whole audience, not even related to them, stood up and gave them, you know, an ovation, a standing ovation and 
the parents were crying and the makeup artists were crying and it was just such a triumph for the whole program. So it gets done. First of all, how did you come up with the title? It's the name of the the dance group. Okay. That they're called the Free to Be Me Dancers. Do so you know I how they came credit. up with that? Or I, it's Colleen's invention, and um, I think that was just her idea that she wanted them to to be them free to be themselves, who they are, dance the way they are as people. So you get done directing it. How much footage do you have? Because I always hear documentaries. There's so much footage. Then you have to figure out how long is the film. It's 30 minutes. Okay, so first, how did you find out, how much footage did you have, and then how did you find out that you're gonna make it 30 minutes, and then how did you figure out what stuff are you gonna cut, because these people are probably like, wait a second, because even actors do that, like they go, I'm gonna cut him the floor. These people were probably right. like, wait a second, what happened, so how much footage did you have? You know, I mean, so I shot them for about 12 to 16 weeks, you know, once a week, but then also including interviews, et cetera. So, you know, I had a good deal of footage, but I didn't have four years or 10 years worth of footage like some documentarians, you know, end up with, which I don't even know how you start with that kind of a thing. But um, so I had a good amount of footage. I got very lucky with a young editor um, who was recommended to me, who saw the material and saw the project and said, yeah, I want to come on board for this for free. And he works with Kirk Baxter, who is David Fincher's editor. Okay. So he's up in a really, you know, surrounded himself with amazing mentors. And this guy, Nate Gross, my editor, is was just really talented and sensitive to the material. And uh, one of the things that I did that was very smart for me was that I transcribed the whole film myself. I transcribed all the footage. Because I had to go back and really ingest all the nuances of what had happened. Rather than having someone do it for me and then just reading the transcriptions, I went back and watched every single minute of the footage and took notes. So that when I got into the edit bay with Nate Gross, I really had, you know... I, I could pull out details from my notes where I would go, oh, this supports that. Okay, well, let me ask you something. As you said, you transcribed yourself. At any time, and it's just anything, when you're watching this footage, would you sit there and, I, and sit there and go, oh man, I could have shot that better? Or did you ever think that? Sure, because of I course. think we would when you sit there and you're probably like, oh my God, I could have made that such a more touching moment. Oh, I wish I would have had her say this, you know, got her saying this, or yes, of course I did, yeah. So you transcribe it all, so he, the editor takes it, and then so now as you're transcribing, you're probably also getting the weave of the story. That's right. Much better it, because what it became about was it, it became a family story. It became the story of an entire family, try you know the triumph of a family working together to give their child an opportunity to express themselves, when otherwise they probably wouldn't have that opportunity, and. I decided to focus on three of the dancers specifically. How did you choose them? Well, I I chose them because I wanted to have sort of a journey, which was I started with the three-year-old, okay. I went on to the nine-year-old, and then I went to the 19-year-old. So that you could feel the journey of the three-year-old's parents who still seem like in a tiny bit of shock about what they were dealing with, and yet they were so proactive about helping their child. You know, you could get the journey. That's sort of how I how I based it. And um, I mean, I, you know, of course I felt bad. I wanted to tell everyone's story. I could have had a 10 episode, you know, film about every single dancer. And that was, that was tough for me. I really felt like I, I wanted to delve into everyone's story, but you know, obviously you can't do that. So that was, that was a hard part, but I wanted to make sure every dancer in the program was shown and, you know, that I would get siblings to talk and and that kind of a thing to try to make it sort of a well so we would know you know what are these families dealing with so you get so you finally you get it so you start getting it in starts editing and you start starting to take peace and as i said it's a labor of love how did you decide how long it was going to be and did you think that possibly because 90 minutes might be too long which it might be i mean you know documentaries i mean i love documentaries too but there's some you watch in like hbo that are 50 or 60 minutes right. and that's enough that's but there's right. some that are two hours and you're enthralled because it's someone's long life sure. and so how did you decide on the time and did you sit there I mean did you do it in like one edit I mean how did it work did you sit there and go okay you knew exactly what's going to happen and then once the first time it was done you were done or did you sit there and go back and tweak it or you how know what I, I knew going into it that there wasn't enough of a story to create a feature film like if I wanted to shoot like, as I said, more of the profiles of the dancers. Yes, I could have made it longer. 
or if there was something really momentous that was going on in the program, some kind of major conflict right. or whatever, I could have stretched it. I could have continued shooting. But I knew I knew inherently that it, it couldn't be probably a 90-minute a, a film. Jordan kept advising, you know, if it's a short film, you should make it a short film. You know, most short films are 7 to 15 right. minutes long or whatever. And I also knew that I couldn't fit that's cutting too minutes. much you already cut enough out. yeah i just i knew that wasn't going to happen and so that sort of created an instant elimination for me in terms of different film festivals and things like that which was a choice i made you know he kept saying most film festivals won't program a 30 minute short they just won't do it and um and i said i i don't care about the festivals like i have to tell this story the story that it is that's what i have to do so it just it wasn't for any means you know there wasn't any goal for me with the film i just want people to see the film right. and know about these people it's not about awards or anything like that it's just a project i had to make i had to tell the story now when you took on the project did you know october was uh down syndrome national i Resident? had no idea and so now this is when you're letting it out the project right well i mean it's been out it's been so it has been to some film festivals right. now how was um, how was the reaction to that great 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 reactions. Uh, it won the Audience Award at the Lighthouse Film Festival. It won an Editing Award at the Women in, you know, Women's Independent Film Festival. Um, it's done. It's done well. The festivals. It hasn't been in a, a ton of them. You know, maybe five or six, um, which is fine with me. I just my whole thing is, I want people to see the film. I want one person to be inspired to send their child with a disability, and it may not even be Down syndrome, to. A class where they can express themselves. I mean, one of the moms said to me, I never knew my child was capable of doing something like this. I never thought she would be able to perform in front of people. I mean... Right. I mean, it's it's so funny. And it's... and Because, I mean, it's hard enough for kids now to do it. But someone with Down syndrome, I mean, it's like, you know, kids, you, I mean, they stay inside all the time. You know, it's like, I know it's just the way it works so now where can people see this movie so people can see the movie directly from our website which is free to be me movie.com you literally can just click watch now and you can download the movie or is just it free? watch it it's free oh it's free the movie okay. is free um we we ask if you are so inclined to donate to the film we give a portion of the proceeds to the dance program to help support the program um, and people, people have been as just as I was driving here today, I got something. A woman donated twenty five dollars. Okay. After watching the film, it's just, and it's not, it's not a monetary thing for me. I just want people to see that people with disabilities are capable of doing so many things that we don't realize, and that I didn't realize as a person, you know, because I didn't have the experience with those people. So, so. Everyone is capable of doing something, and dance is this thing that, you know, this sort of self-expression that right. most people can't can do. do. We, I, we, I mean, I can't dance. But, no, but you, know, you, you can, but you I can't I know. dance in the, realm of, in the realm of what you think a dancer is, but right. you could express yourself to music. Now, what was the reaction from the families and the, uh, the, the director, Perry's her last name? Is it? Colleen Perry. Yeah. What was the uh, what was their reaction to this movie when it, they saw it? Were they were they touched? Or were they they, like- they loved it. First of all, I showed it to Colleen separately of the parents, and she was absolutely blown away and felt that I had given her this huge gift. Uh, and 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 I showed her things about the families that she had no idea okay. about because I interviewed them personally and about their experience. Many of their children have had major medical issues. Colleen didn't know that backstory for all of them, you know. So I gave her an insight into her dancers and their families. Uh, the dancers' families were so gracious and so grateful, and wrote me the kindest emails and just in the simplest form, saying, "Thank you so much for showing the world who our children are." See, that's awesome. I think also it must have been with uh, I Kathleen Perry. Colleen. Colleen. I, can't, I don't know why I can't remember her name. I know Perry. But I think for her, it must have been uh, very more touching the fact that, you know, she was doing this out of the love for these kids and what in turn. And then actually that someone, which is great about you, that someone took the time to sit there and not only notice it, but put their labor in love. And I think she must have been, I mean, touched more than you would think. And she's probably so appreciative because she's doing this stuff. She's doing this to get nothing out of it. Right. 
and then you're doing it to get nothing out of it. And and at, at random, I mean, just a random meeting, if, if your <laughs> daughter didn't take ballet and have a thing, you would never know about this. That's right. And I love when this stuff happens because it's it just came out of, it's one of those things that's so organic. It just came out of nowhere. And now do you still keep in touch with her? Do you keep oh, in touch yeah. with the troop? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, she and I have become friends. Okay. Colleen Perry and I have. Um, and I go back and see the dancers occasionally when I can. One of my daughters volunteered okay. in the class for a short period of time. I stay in touch via email. One of the, as a matter of fact, on Facebook today, I posted. I saw about the young one girl of the little sick. girls is really ill, and so you know, I post a picture of her, and I'm thinking about her, and I'm sending her mom a note, like if there's anything you need, what can we do? Um, I just I I love all of them and their families. I mean, I feel honored that they allowed me into their world. See, that's so cool. We have about four minutes left. Um, so can people email you after they see the movie? Is there a, a link where people can email you and yeah, say... Yeah, there's, there's a little comment section. And of course, I mean, you can Google me and find me do you Do you get emails from people? Have you been getting emails from people with Salt? Yeah, I have been getting, you know, because we have a Facebook page, right? Free to be me movie on Facebook. And people who've watched the film, you know, have commented. And, um, you know, it's just, just this month we're really... Because it's National Down right. Syndrome Awareness Month, we're really pushing. I got a publicity company came on pro bono, Hype Media, which is so nice of them. And, you know, they're really going to push it out there. And it's just, you know, we want to create awareness and change perceptions about people with disabilities. So now that this is done, are you going to go back to commercials or are you going to do documentaries? Or would you, are you going to find a project like this? Because, I mean, what are you going to do now? Yeah, so I'm still, you know, in the commercial trudging away in the commercial world, trying to get gigs. Um, and I have considered another documentary project. I, I know that this time I would have to do something where I would get the funding ahead of time. Right. <laughs> Indiegogo, all that yeah, stuff. That's exactly. what makes it great now. Um, so I, I, there's an interesting thing about uh, these this group of kids that run the LA Marathon that I'm sort of interested in. And then there's a book that I, I'm really interested in, a tween book, like a, a kid's book, that I'm interested in potentially adapting for, you know, to make a film. Okay, so you actually, you might go actually film instead of, because I would think once you do a documentary, I mean, it, it's, it's, it just seems like so much more work than a film. It, I mean, no, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And I'm a mom of, you know, two 13-year-old girls. So it's not like the idea of going away and doing a huge project a documentary. You don't know how long it's going right. to take. <laughs> so how can you plan your life around that? Um, I love it, though. And I, I think I will do another documentary at some point. I would love to. So we'll just see how it plays out. I mean, I just want to continue moving forward creatively. See, that's great. And it seems your career has done that. It's like taking the path. You know, you've, you've fallen, into, not fallen into stuff because you trained as a kid, but you've fallen into the styling because someone knew you. And then the documentary you fell into just because you were basically, I mean, you could say it's the right place at the right time. And so I'm sure your next project you'll fallen at something. I hate to say fallen because it seems like it sounds when you say fallen it sounds like someone has no talent, but you had talent. Well I'll but, just say this. I've been in I've been in real life film school for twenty years. Okay. Okay. I started choreography when I was twenty. I've been on set since I was twenty years old. So I didn't go to USC film school, but I've been on the set right. for twenty years. You know what's going on. You're yeah. not you're not one of these dopes who comes out so they're going, <laughs> hey uh you know give me a hat. Yeah exactly. Uh, so okay so give all your info because I know there's I know you have like four websites and all this <laughs> just give all your info and your Twitter and your faith. Do you tweet? I do tweet. I have a free to be me movie. You, you haven't tweeted once because I looked for your Twitter because I wanted no, to get I some. Have, but it's not under Jeanette Godoy. It's under free to be me. Well, there's a Jeanette Godoy. Oh, Twitter. Okay. Just you know, it has. It says it has not tweeted. Oh, yet. okay. Well, that's because follower. I was going to, and then I didn't. I just okay. give you all your try info. to manage the social media. Um, the movie is at free to be me movie.com. Um, I am represented as a commercial director with the Traveling Picture Show Company. And you can find my directing work as well at com. And please like our Facebook page, Free To Be Me Movie, on Facebook. Great. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank people, you so much for having me. People, check that out. Because I'm, I'm going to go watch it. I, I, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I, I, I have the things to do tonight. But uh, I two more interviews to do so anyway people so go just check that out also follow me on twitter at cooper talk i always tweet funny stuff um you can listen to my show past shows go to coopertalk.net i have 
I think 296 episodes up. Or if you go to iTunes or Stitcher, type in one word Cooper Talk and you can find it there. If you have an Android tablet or phone, go to the Google Play Store, type in Cooper Talk and you have all the episodes there. iHeartRadio, they're talking to them tomorrow. It's all set up. I don't know when it's going to launch. I'll have about 10 episodes up. Uh, Jeanette's will be one of them up there. So tell your friends to listen to it. Also, uh, this Saturday, I'll be at the uh, baby. I'll be on the Baby Soap Comedy Show at the uh, Ice House in Pasadena, the Small Room. The show is at seven thirty. So come out. It's it's ten bucks to get in, but it's a good lineup. And remember, every Tuesday I host uh, Crappy Comedy at uh, Jimmy's Place here in Burbank. And email me at Cooper at coopertalk.net so I want to thank my guest uh, check her website out check the movie out I'm Steve Cooper I'm only as hip as my guests don't forget drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins you guys have a great weekend